final post-game episode of Wizards After Dark of the season. Like I said before, I will be coming back with more. I'll tell you guys the plan. Um, once we're done with the episode, I'm Fred Katz. I cover the Wizards for The Athletic, and uh, I host Wizards After Dark. And I'm here after the Wizards' thrilling 116-110 to 110 loss to the Celtics, which has just made the race for sixth-best lottery positioning. Honestly, I, Michael Lee, I'm going to tell you right now that this is the greatest race for sixth-best lottery positioning in NBA history, okay. and you cannot prove me wrong. I won't try to, yeah. um, because um, why is sixth so important? It's just the highest the Wizards can go. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> okay. And those four teams are really <laughs> close. Right. A lot of teams uh, are clustered really close. Yeah. So, uh, but they're the only ones that really need this pick. The other teams are like they don't really care. Well, Dal- Dallas, the Dallas pick's going Memphis, to Atlanta. Yeah. Memphis, if they end up ninth, the pick is going to go to Boston. Right? Boston. Yeah. And then New Orleans would like to pick. New Orleans needs the pick, <laughs> but I think that Boston will probably. Fill them up pretty good if they decide to. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll, they'll give them some picks, some more picks if uh, they trade them. Anthony Davis. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's an historic race for six best lottery position. And, and I'm, I'm I'm glad that the Wizards finally did the right thing and just lost. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I know Ted is, is like just be happy with the win. So, sometimes you just be happy with the loss. Yeah, well that's why tonight was just thrilling. It was the Wizards. It was the perfect tank. The Wizards. Because the Wizards came back from up twenty one. Yes. To lose. And Brad got his. <laughs> 25-5-5 season, you know, he will still be in uh, all-NBA consideration, even though the team floundered. Um, so, yeah, it was it was a win wrapped around an L. And it was a poetic moment because the Wizards came into this season saying their goal was to win 50. Yes. And on the last night of the season, Bradley Beal played 17 minutes. Starting center, Thomas Bryant, played 17 minutes. Trevor Ariza was not with the team. Dwight Howard was in street clothes. John Wall was on a scooter. And they lost their 50th game after wanting to win 50. Yes. Um, I've been covering around the Wizards for a good part of 15 years. And I can say that this is probably, in terms of just discouraging disheartening, disappointment, disappointing, whatever dish you want to put in front of. uh, This is probably in the top three seasons that I've seen in time that I've been covering the team. Um, You know, they had a 19-win season in 2009, um, which was bad, but they had the excuse that they didn't have Gilbert Arenas the entire year. He only played two games. So, But there was hope at the end of that season because Gilbert was going to come back and they were going to have a lottery pick. Now, of course, they traded that pick and for Mike Miller and Randy Foy. And then after that, there was the gun season. And that was probably, before this year, the worst season that I've been around a team where guys were just miserable. Like, it was just – and I wasn't around the team enough to know how guys felt about the game or anything. But just from the outside, um, that when that season ended, there was hope because they wound up winning the number one pick. It was going to wind up being John Wall. So when the season ended, you knew that it wasn't going to be terrible. Like, there was still opportunity for a future. Um, This season, as it ends, it's sad. Like, I think that fan apathy, 
you know, probably outweighs any anger. You know, I think most people are just numb to the fact that this team just doesn't have a lot of hope. And I think that if you look around the NBA, every team, even when you talk about the race for six, all of those teams that they're in um, competition with next year looks like they're going to be on the upswing. Memphis has Jaron Jackson Jr., and he's a really promising player. I think he's going to have a bright future. Dallas has Luka Doncic, and they'll have Chris Porzingis, which looks like that'll be a pretty promising future. So New Orleans, you know, they may wind up trading Anthony Davis and maybe get some some team's best prospect and more draft picks. It's a pretty promising opportunity. With the Wizards, where do you find hope after this season? Yeah, well, that's something we've talked about. Like, we've had that conversation in the media room how many times? Like, if you do the hope rankings. Yeah. Are the Wizards dead last in the NBA? Because when, yeah. when you talk about, when you talk about, like, specifically fan passion and that kind of stuff hope brings that out so like you can have hope because you're the Warriors and your hope is to win the title this year or if you're the Raptors your hope is to finally make the finals or if you're the Bucks and it's like man you're awesome in that case case, the hope is obvious you're really damn good You you can have hope if if you stink but you have Luka Doncic and Chris Porzingis, or if you stink and you have young players like Aiton and Booker and Phoenix, like you can have that yeah. hope whether you're on either side of the quality spectrum. I mean, the Bulls are the, below them in the standings, but they're in an offseason with right. hope. They're going right. to wind up with a top five. I, I don't know if, maybe aside from Miami, I don't know if there's a team with as little hope as the Wizards. Miami's in a bad spot. Miami's in a bad spot. Miami also has that outstanding 2021 pick. That's so, like, at least the, yeah. the Wizards have given up a lot of seconds. Miami's 2021 pick is unprotected, and they might stick. They might, and it might be and, the best thing for that franchise. And they're in a bad cap situation. They are. Just but, like the Wizards. But they also have a really good coach who has won two championships. Mm-hmm. They have a general manager who has a reputation for doing what's needed um, in, in producing a winner. Um, so I would probably, at least if I'm just looking at two franchises, I would put them ahead of the Wizards just from the perspective of they just got eliminated from the playoffs, you know, in game 81. Um, so <laughs> they were right there with a chance to make it to the playoffs um, this year. Next year it'll be different, and, you know, but um, I would look to them as having more hope to me at, at this at this juncture. Um because they have a, they have a culture in place that is enviable. Um, they have a, a market that, if they do ever clear the books and get cap space, I think guys want to go play there because it is Miami. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that the only other team that I would say is in a similar position is if say Charlotte loses Kimball Walker. Yeah, Charlotte. And then Charlotte or, is, or man, if Charlotte keeps Kimball Walker. Yeah, they have to super max him. If you super max, even if you don't super max him, even if he doesn't make All NBA, and you just give him a normal thirty percent max, that's still just your roster. Like you still have Batum and MKG and Cody Zeller and and all those dudes and no young players you can you can really Really build around. Yeah, Yeah, be excited about and. 
you're going to have to pay Jeremy Lamb if you want to keep that roster together. And it's like, yeah, they're in no better there, of a situation. They might have a few more wins, but they're in no better of a situation than the Wizards. But I would say them, Miami, and Washington. So Southeast Division outside of Atlanta. <laughs> Southeast Division, man. If And you know what? Like They're not there, but the last like five years, Orlando has been That's right true. down there is horribly yeah. depressing. Uh, but, so, you know, so the entire Southeast Division is just like <laughs> the entire Southeast Division just needs like just an, an entirety, like a lifetime supply of Xanax. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I will say, I will say this for the Wizards that it looks as bleak as it looks now. If there's any inspiration, I would look to the Brooklyn Nets, who I admire what they were able to do, considering how low it looked, how low it got with them, and giving away their future, giving away draft picks. But to turn it around and be a playoff team this quickly, um, I don't know what Ted plans on doing in terms of his general manager and what he you know, is looking to hire. But whoever comes in sort of has to have a similar mindset that this is going to be a very difficult you know, fix. But um, you know, if you're creative enough, if you're innovative enough, and you have you know, solid ideas, you, know, you can do it quickly. You know, because um, it's been done. I mean, the Brooklyn came from being a team with no hope, and now they're in the postseason, and they have their attractive destination now. I think we'll see what happens in free agency this summer, but they have a chance to do some special things um, going forward. So just because hope isn't there now, it doesn't mean it won't be there two or three years from now. Um, now, obviously, the biggest uh, situation is John Wall, and with his contract – you kind of have to know going in that you're going to basically build your team with, six, with uh, 40% of your cap kind of eaten up, right? Or what, 35, whatever the number is. But you know, basically $60 million to construct the rest of your team because you don't know what you don't know what John's going to be. And he spoke, you know, at halftime and really was defiant, and which is something that I think Wizards fans or anybody that believes that he's going to come back should really be inspired by that he's a little cranky right now. He's a little angry right now. He's reading what everyone's saying about him, He's and he's fired up. Um, it sort of takes me back to, like I, like I said, the 2010 season when the Wizards had all this money tied up in Gilbert Arenas. They knew they couldn't trade him. He was staying. They wound up drafting a point guard. They drafted John Wall, and... Gilbert was like, said all the right things, you know, hey, we, we can play together, we can do this. And they wound up starting together for a couple of games. They traded him and then moved on. But I think, uh, and John has obviously done what he's done here in the last, you know, eight or so years. But um, but you, now you're kind of in the same situation where you're the Wizards going into the draft, probably need to draft a point guard. <laughs> and John was like, yeah, that'll be good. He'll be my backup when I come back. And that, I love that attitude. I love that um, sort of having that chip and having that edge. Um, I think that part of the reason why he's in his position now is because he lost it a little bit. He lost that edge. Um, um, so it'll be good to see if he can get it back and if he can come back to be close to what he was. And I know the odds are stacked against him. But, um, yeah, I'll <laughs> just leave it at that. The odds are stacked against him. He's going to have a tough, a tough road back. People laughed when he said that. Uh, it wasn't part, funny. Well, it, it was, was funny, funny, but it, it wasn't, wasn't a joke. It wasn't a joke. Yeah. It was funny, but it wasn't a joke. Also, reporters do the reporter laugh. 
no matter what. Oh, yeah. Whenever we, anything we, is we, potentially we uncomfortable. Make players, <laughs> we probably make players feel funnier than they really are. Yeah. Just because we're uncomfortable. If if I were a, a player, I would just say things that I knew weren't funny just to see how unfunny I could be to make players <laughs> laugh. <laughs> just to get there. Thomas Bryant today, by the way, at Shoot Around, did the greatest reporter impression that I've ever seen a player do. Really? What did he say? He stuck his head into a scrum and asked a question when we were interviewing Thomas Adoransky. And did the perfect, you know, the reporter nod. Had the reporter nod down to a T. <laughs> it was phenomenal. Mm. It was like, why do you guys do that all the time? It's because we can't talk. Yeah, we don't want to interrupt you. We don't want to interrupt, but we have to show we're listening. Yes. And we don't want our, if, if like, someone's on TV, you can't and have somebody in the background being like, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course, yeah. as I'm nodding as you're speaking. Right. Yes. <laughs> and, so, and so we awkwardly nod. Yes. And no other situation, like any other social situation, do people just nod like that and not give a verbal cue that they're listening. That's true. But, yeah. but Thomas. We need, we need quotes. Yeah, but TV totally picked up on that. It's pretty and good. it was it was a great reporter nod impression. Uh but yeah, John was John was not joking he when he said that. It was funny. I think he knew it was funny, but he wasn't joking. And one th- the Wizards should not if a point guard's there, if they get lucky in the lottery and they have the second pick, mm-hmm. they should not not take like if they and they want John Morant, they think he is the second best player. Mm-hmm. They should not not take him because they have John Wall. John oh, could no. easily miss all of next year. Easily. Who knows where he's going to be when he gets back? You have no idea. And even if he gets back and he is better than he's ever been, which is not the likelihood, but it's possible. So let's say even if that happens, he's better than he's ever been. Then you just play them together. Yeah. It's going to be 2000. It's going to be 2020 by then or 2020, 2021. Yeah. Like, then you just play them together. Like, the game has already evolved to where, like, the Mavericks play three-point guards. Yeah. Like. You can play too if they're really good. Yeah. Who knows where Bradley Beal's going to be at that point? Exactly. And that's you play them together if they're awesome. That to me is like. And then you and you know what? John's used to playing with a guard who he doesn't have chemistry with. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) That was mean. I'm not touching that one. Uh, Um, That was just I had to make that joke. Yeah, it was was a joke. (laughs) Yeah, it was a joke, people. Um. Yeah, I mean, and the thing is, is that you, if you, whoever they hire as the general manager, whoever gets the job, has to think about the best the, of the organization. Has to think about the organization. He can't really concern himself right now with John until he's on the floor. You know, so they got to go, go with the best player, and the best player is a point guard. And you know, in this league, what you need, you need a point guard to win. Then you got to go for it. And there's a couple good ones out there. Obviously, John Moran is the name everybody throws out there. I wonder if R.J. Barrett is going to be a point guard at the next level. I'm not sure uh, he's going to just be a shooting guard or whatever. I'm not sure what he's going to be. I think the one thing about the league and the way it's evolved is that in Bradshaw, the show that this year, so no matter what backcourt position you have, you still need to be able to make plays for others. You still need to rebound. You need to be, have, you know, have a really broad, you know, resume or, or you know, get out credentials that you can do more than just shoot or do whatever. You have to be well-rounded and, and versatile. So whoever they draft, you kind of got to build your team, you know, around the fact just having multi-skilled players. Like, um, you know, right now, you look at the fact that Troy Brown, you know, I think he showed some things throughout the course of this season. I think, you know, when he finally got an opportunity to play, you realize that he can actually make plays for other people. He can do things out there on the court. 
So if you just have a bunch of skilled players out there, you don't even need to worry about position anymore because that's what's going to give you an ability to be competitive. Like if you look at, say, the Brooklyn Nets and how they're like, they don't really have a star. I mean, D'Angelo Russell is an all-star because they kind of needed one because they had a record that proved it. They've got a bunch of guys that just go out there and play. And I think you just kind of need to just assemble your team that way now, not really be too obsessed with um, what position they play. Yeah, and one thing that I think if you're the Wizards, you're really hoping that John does in his time off is, so we were having the conversation earlier. I didn't know how smart John was until I started covering him every day. Oh, yeah. You talk to him, mm-hmm. and you hear his mind. You hear the way he talks about basketball, how he processes things, his opinions. He's extremely smart, and he's extremely um, like well versed. Yes. He's extremely educated too. Mm-hmm. Like he is he both. He knows the game. He knows the game unbelievably well. He knows the game. He knows the personnel. He can talk to you. You can mention any random ass. 13th guy, and he can tell you that guy's tendencies on the floor. He'll tell you what he did in college. Yeah. I mean, he's... He probably knew what he did in high school. He remembers everything. Absolutely. I mean, he he doesn't just, like, know this... He's obsessed with it, for sure. He, but he doesn't I mean, just know it because he's obsessed with it. He's he's a smart dude. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, and one thing that I think the Wizards... If you're the Wizards, you're really hoping for is that John uses this time to translate that truly, truly, like, really, really intelligent mind into showing a more versatile game on the court. Where, like, if you put him with another guard, like, John knows. Like, you can watch a game with John, or you ask him about something that happens in a game, and John John will be like, well, that's a great cut because of something that I didn't know. Or that's a bad cut because of something I didn't know. Yeah. Or here's why they should have played actually this coverage against this play instead of this coverage. I mean, like, his mind works in an unbelievably quick way, and he's able to break everything down so brilliantly after games, and then you watch him in the game, and he stands on the corner when he's off the ball. And yeah. it's like, I know you are too smart to he do is. this. He's so bright. Uh-huh. It, it's weird that in times it doesn't – you watch him, and it doesn't always come through, but it's there. And if it's you can totally channel nice. that into his style on the court – God, he could he could really be effective in so many other ways, you know. He could, you know, and I always say that, um, you know, I've always, you know, um, like like John, and I always felt like that's an underrated aspect of his game that people don't really know unless you're around him. Um, but I always feel like one of the things that's kind of frustrating with him is that he often listens to the devil on his shoulder, like he has an angel and a devil on his shoulder, like he knows the right thing to do, like he knows exactly what he should do out there on the court, but he always listens to the devil on his shoulder like he always does the thing that isn't <laughs> what he should do like he knows that there's an open guy over there and he should hit hit him with the with the ball and so they can take that shot but he also knows that I'm pretty good and I can blow fast my guy right now so I'm gonna try to go up there and, and force this layup and if I get blocked fine I'll, I'll draw a foul so like he he also sort of at war with himself because the fact that he knows the right thing doesn't mean he's going to do the right thing, you know, and that's sort of the one part I think that's, that sort of can be frustrating with him because if you sit there and you talk to him about basketball or you just talk about, you know, things that went wrong in the game, he can just give you chapter and verse with everything, like what should have happened. And then you think to yourself, why didn't you do it? And I just think a lot of times he kind of stands in his own way about what he could be. And um, and that, that, that to me, I think that's sort of – the part of his injury that sort of, to me, that was so disappointing 
because he's in his prime, or should be his prime right now. And that's really physically, mentally, that's when it all is supposed to come together and we're supposed to see the best of you. And what we've seen of him has been phenomenal, right? Uh, with four or five-time All-Star, um, you know, won three playoff series for the Wizards franchise, which really is an accomplishment. You think about the last 40 years of this franchise. Um, so he's done some great things here. But this is supposed to be the best of John right now, and it's been taken away. He got stripped away with the knee last year. He missed half the season. And now this Achilles injury that, you know, I, 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 and some people may say that you're being a hater. Some people may say this and that. But I can't stress how serious this injury is and how, you know, John's like, you know, bring it on. Keep counting me out. Keep counting me out. That's what's going to motivate me. And I hope that he, he proves everybody wrong. For his sake, I mean, I, I'm rooting for him to do it. But I also am being realistic and knowing that for a player like him to come back from an injury like this, it's going to require not just, you know, a, um, you know, kind of a, a combative sort of spirit. You know, it's going to take some level of maturity. It's going to take a level of discipline that um, he's probably never really had to um, engage with, you know, because I just, it's tough to come back from an injury if you're just like DeMarcus Cousins. And he's still kind of going through up and downs. And he's a big man who had no real serious, like, athleticism was not his, his, mm-hmm. it was more brute strength that he sort of relied on. And he's skilled, but it wasn't like his, he wasn't speeding past people right. and ju- jumping over John's there. whole thing is how fast he is, how explosive, how explosive he, is. he is, and how the lift and the boost, um, you know, that that's what separated him. That's what made him special. Um, but like I said, this is when that athleticism was supposed to mesh with that brain, and now we're gonna. But I don't know if we're gonna see that. And I'm, I, like I said, I'm hoping for his sake that we do. But that's a tough bet to make. If I had to put money on it. Yeah. I mean, it's hard. It's an unbelievable, like, very, very few guys have come back from that injury in any sport and been yeah. okay. But I think I think the way that he does come back and people go, hey, John Wall is good, is if that part of his mind that you and I get to see all the time, yeah. that maybe people who just only watch him play and that's how they see that John Wall thinks the game, that comes through more. Like, I think because of that, people talk about, well, John Wall's not going to have a gear that, like, because of the injury, he's not going to have that gear that has propelled him to becoming a five-time All-Star. And he almost definitely won't. Because not only is he going to be coming back from an Achilles, he's going to be 30. And when you're 30, you're less athletic (laughs) than you are when you're 26, 25. Like, that's just how life works. You have to adjust... When you turn thirty, no right. matter what injury right. or anything coming back from, yeah. you have to adjust. And um, I think I think that he kind of has a secret gear, which people who cover him know about, coaches know about, teammates know about, people who are around him know about. But I don't think the public is is so keenly aware on, which is that he is intellectually, without a doubt, it's not up for debate. He is intellectually capable of adjusting the way that he plays in certain aspects of becoming good off the ball. We have seen no evidence of it on the court. No. But th- when he talks, you know 
that he knows. And it makes you think that it's more of a decision than it is uh, him understanding what he's supposed to do. Yeah, like, he is not. without a doubt capable of changing that if he wants to change it. And if he comes back and he says, this is the way I can be effective, then he's going to go down in one in a gear in one spot, but he's going to go up in another gear in another spot, which is a really important spot. And it's possible that he's still an effective, good, or even very good player if he doesn't lose that much, um, which who knows. Uh, that's the optimistic take. But optimistic I think, take. But I think that's how he does it if he comes back and he's still really good, you know? Yeah, the only, the only thing that, um, you know, and I, I just say this uh, again, this is a major thing to come back from, is that gear going to be enough to justify like the money he's gonna make. Oh, no, no. But that's and I know, and you can't and you can't really worry about that anymore because yeah. the contract's been given out. But um, but I think if if you're the Wizards and you're a franchise and you're building a team now going forward, um, you kind of have to build the team with with not with him in mind. Just for that simple fact is that we don't know. Right. You have no idea what he's gonna come back as. Mm-hmm. Um, you hope that he comes back, you know, using his mind where in the areas where his body is uh, now deficient. Um, but what if he comes back and it's like, it's like a pit bull and just determined to show that I'm still right. that explosive guy. And he's going like, to take over. Yeah, and then you're like, oh, no. Like, he's got to take a step back. Like, he is not that guy anymore. Um, and that's that's really where he's going to encounter some, some problems coming back because um, – it's not. It's not going to be what he's come back from in the past. You know, he's come back from knee, you know, other surgeries, but um, and you know, and he's he's always done it. But um, but I don't know the, the Achilles like that. That just that's that's a scary one. You know, mm-hmm. and we've seen Kobe. Kobe came back, but he wasn't Kobe. You know, mm-hmm. he had some numbers, but. At what oh, he had numbers. <laughs> there yeah. were some numbers. Yeah, thirty-six percent was a number. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's it's gonna, and it's not even just that he comes back. If he misses a year, he comes back in a year. He's got to make up for that year he missed because he's got to get his rhythm back. And get his. Uh, so you miss time in this game. You know, it takes time for it to come back. So let's say he comes back. Not next season, but the year after that, he's gonna need a year to try to get back to being there. Um, and I'm just being realistic. So, um, if you're the Wizards this summer and you get a top six, whatever pick, and a point guard is sitting there, I say you go for it on two fronts: one, because you need it, and two, because you're gonna piss off John enough that he's probably gonna approach his comeback angry at you too. <laughs> maybe maybe that works uh, anything else before we go nah, I think we uh, wrapped it up well I, I think we did pretty good uh, so uh, before we wrap up I just want to let you guys know what the plan is going to be for now I'm going to go to once a week on the podcast uh, if anything major happens if they hire a GM or you know whatever else I'll do, you know, a, win the a lottery. Episode. Yeah, they win the lottery. I'll do one around the lottery anyway, regardless okay. of what pick they have. But I'll, uh, 
I'm going to do once once a week, uh, and uh, I'm going to take the next week off. So I'll do one. What day is it? Today is April 9th. Today is April 9th, and it's a Tuesday. So I'm going to do one either Tuesday next week or Wednesday next week. So look out for that episode. If you're a subscriber, that's obviously just going to pop up on your phone like always. It's not like you need to subscribe to something different. It's just there are no more post game. There are no more games to do post game shows of. Um, <laughs> if you're not a subscriber, you can subscribe. Just go on iTunes, subscribe to that, give us five stars, leave a review. Thank you so much to everybody who's listened throughout the year. I know this year has not been the most inspiring. Wizards fans, so I really appreciate all you guys who have followed along, whether you're such a diehard that you listen to post-game episodes of 50 losses and 32 wins, or uh, or if you're just somebody who tunes in every once in a while to check out how the team's doing, I really appreciate everybody who has given their input, who has left reviews, who has uh, you know tweeted at me, and who's read my stuff. Subscribe to The Athletic. You can find my work there. You can find Michael's work there. Mike is now looking at the stat sheet, and his eyes just bulged out of his head. I don't know what number he just looked at, but something happened there. It was like the Bradley Beal gif of him, him looking at <laughs> looking at numbers. Uh, I will be back someday. I'll, I'll tell yeah. you once. The, once what, you, uh, what are you looking at? I, I don't want to say. Okay. Say. Uh, plug your stuff before we go. By the way, um, I got a piece up now on uh, Dwayne Wade and Steph Curry. Uh, just comparing them and just how them being foundational players, um, but opening the door for two you know great players to come in and sort of share the spotlight with them, and just the sacrifices that they made and that uh, what's needed for super teams to really work. Using those two guys as an example, so I got a story up. Basically, I'm paying respects to Dwayne Wade for what he did to win three championships, um, and just how Steph Curry sort of taking on that mantle as the guy who um, you know made room for another star and paid got got the benefit from it. Um that was a great story by the way. Thank you should read it. Appreciate it. And uh and I'll probably write something off of John Wall because I I, I I liked the fact that he was really pissed off uh when he gave his press conference today. Cool. And uh I'll have something up for tomorrow morning, tomorrow afternoon about just this game and encapsulating its complete irrelevance (laughs) in the end we're all completely irrelevant Uh, i'll be back like i said next week tuesday or wednesday if i can't get a guest at some point within the next week then i've i've really messed up somehow so i'm sure i'll have a guest on that one though i have not begun booking uh and like i said i'll just be doing once a week with emergency episodes thrown in there after that and i'll keep you guys updated in the schedule and everything else again thanks so much for listening throughout the year And I'll talk to you soon.